You all look amazing. I'm glad to be home. And uh, yeah, I just get amazed at what God's doing through this church, through the world. And uh, I, I don't have time to give you a, a big global update. All to say is God's using you to change the world. Just look your neighbor in the eye right now and say, God's using you to make a difference in places you may never go, in places you may never see, but eternity is going to record it. And uh, man, aren't you grateful to God for so many good things that are happening? And uh, I get amazed, you know, and I say this often because I never want to take it for granted, but for the people who wake up early, set the stage, uh, set this all up so that we can have church together. And Well, some of us were in our warm beds, uh, getting up in the cold of the morning. How many found it a little bit more difficult to get up this morning? Anybody out there? A few, a few honest people out there. They were up, out of bed. They were here at 5 a.m., sitting up for us to have church. Can we put our hands together? Come on, can we give them a huge hand right now? We appreciate you. We applaud you. We thank God for you. Well, we're starting a new series this morning. Woo! Yeah, don't get too excited right now. The series title is called The Church You See. Uh, the Church You See. There's a verse in Ephesians chapter 1. This is our text, and we're going to read it standing up. And so we're going to put it up on screen. And if I could have uh, the stand over here right now, because I can't read those small words from here. And, uh, but we're going to read this out, because every time I read this passage of Scripture, especially from the message version, I get pumped. And so I'm praying you're going to get pumped right now uh, because we serve an amazing God. Here it goes, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20. It says, all this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from the dead and set him on the throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments. No name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for a time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all and has the final word on. Come on, he has the final word on. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. Come on, who rules the church right now? Christ, he's in control. Christ rules the church. The church you see. Just quickly turn to your neighbor and say, the church you see. Not the church somebody else sees. Not the church that culture sees. But listen to this. The church you see is not peripheral to the world, but the world is peripheral to the church. The church. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. Just in case they didn't realize that this morning. The church is Christ's body in which He speaks and acts and by which He fills everything with His presence. How many are thankful to God for the church right now? Come on, we are the body of people through which He speaks and through which He acts and He fills the world with His presence. I don't know how you see the church. See, many people have a cultural understanding of church rather than a biblical understanding of church. And I believe something shifts and changes when we align our vision with God's vision. 
And I believe this message this morning is going to speak into your heart. This message is centered around worship. In fact, the title of this individual message is, It's Not About You. Welcome to Equippers Church. It's not about you. Come on, just turn to somebody and say, it's not about you this morning. It's not about you. Greet somebody else and say, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you joined us this morning, but it's not about you. And how about you take your seat as you do. Musicians, thank you for your time. And if you've got your Bible, I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14. In fact, this series, believe it or not, is going to be all about worship. Because how many know we're created to worship? Uh, everybody's worshiping. It's just a matter of what. Some of you are saying, well, I'm not into worship. Yeah, you're into worship. Uh, you're worshiping. It's just that you don't know what you're worshiping and you don't know whether it's worthy of your worship. And uh, it's not a matter of whether you worship. It's a matter of who you worship. And uh, I believe that's so important. Church, in the end, what, what's this all about? It's about worship. It's about expressing our love. Because how many know unexpressed love is not love? You know, many people say, I love you. Got, Jesus said, well, if you love me, you obey me. In other words, there has to be an expression to your love. And tonight I'm going to talk about God's greatest desire, but right in this message, right at the start of the series, I want to set a platform so you can get an understanding as to the enemy's plan, Satan's plan, Lucifer's plan. Uh, the enemy goes by many different names, whatever you call them, hairy legs or whatever. You know, many people call them different things, but there's an enemy out there and he's out there to kill, steal and destroy our life. But aren't you glad Jesus came that we might have life and life abundantly. Well, if you're in your Bible at Isaiah chapter 14, I, I want you to pick up. In this passage of Scripture, there's five I will statements. Now, now this is a passage that describes the fall of Lucifer from heaven. And in fact, it's a, a, a prophetic picture over uh, uh, the king of Babylon. But, you know, it really, this, this prophecy is addressing Lucifer. So we're going to pick it up from Verse 12, it says, How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground. You have weakened the nations, for you have said in your heart. Listen to what he said in his heart. I will ascend into the heaven. That's the first I will. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. Now, notice all these I will st statements about going higher, ascending. I will ascend. I will exalt my throne. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farther sides of the north. Again, north, where's north? North is at the top of the compass. So it's all about ascending. It's all about elevating. It's about going up. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud and I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, the lowest depths of the pit. Now here in this passage of scripture, we understand the enemy's desire, Satan's desire. He says, I will. When everybody, anybody says, I will, they're actually disclosing their desire. So from this passage, we see 
what does Satan want to do? He, he wants to be lifted up. He, he wants to be high. He wants to be seen. He wants to be exalted. What does he want to do? He wants to be worshipped. And, and then he clearly says, I, I want to be like God. I want people to worship me. Uh, do you know that you and I have this nature? In fact, you and I have been born with this nature. Adam was not the original sinner, nor was Eve. Satan or Lucifer was the original sinner. And if you want to be blunt about it, you and I are not just born with a fallen nature. We're actually born with a satanic nature. You know, uh, look around the world today. It's all about, look at me, look at me. You know, uh, when a young kid, you're on the playground, look at me, Dad, look at look, look, look at me. You know, it's all about, look, I want to be seen, I want to be lifted up, I want to be exalted, I want to be famous, I want to be worshipped. You know, before we came to Christ, the most important person in our life was us. Uh, some of us still have a little bit of that residue in our life, where our life is all about us, though. It's, it's about me, my, I, what I can get. I want to be lifted. I want to be seen. I want to. I want to. It's me. But when you're born again of the Spirit of God, here's the good news. Things change. And you become like Christ. And, and if you're like Christ, you're always then turning your attention off yourself. How many know that's what Jesus did when he walked the face of this earth? In fact, he just pointed to the Father. Continually, people would point to him. He'd point to the Father. He'd say, I'm only doing what the Father told me to do. I'm only saying what the Father told me to say. You know, the role of the Holy Spirit, again, wasn't to bring glory to himself, but it was to lift up Jesus. You know, the Trinity works in a way where they deflect off themselves and they point to somebody else. And when we're born again of the Spirit of God, that's what happens on, in us. Uh, see, you got to understand, the Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus. The Father lifts up the Son. It's, it's like this. If there was a conversation in heaven, it will go like, hey, a, a little like this. Hey, you're so amazing. And they'll go, no, you're the amazing one. <laughs> no, you're the incredible one. You know, there was no, there's no elevation of self. And the more we become like Christ, the more we don't want the attention to be on us. Our focus becomes on God and others. Yeah. Satan's desire before we're ever here, ever born, was to be worshipped, to be lifted up. Now, let's just go to uh, Isaiah 14, verse 11. Listen to this, and I'll come back to this, but I need to uh, read this verse. It says, your pomp was born down, brought down to Sheol and the sound of your stringed instruments. Now, now what does Satan have? He has... Stringed instruments. Don't worry, we're not going to say the guitar is evil. <laughs> but, but Satan does have stringed instruments. Now, now, what was this? This was a prophecy, again, to the king of Babylon. And we know God is addressing Lucifer. It was given to a man, but what, what it was doing was addressing the spirit behind the man. Uh, we see this in the Bible. In fact, Jesus was speaking to Peter at one time. And he says, get behind me, Satan. Yeah, he was speaking to Peter, but he was actually addressing the spirit that Peter was operating in. And he said, get behind me, Satan. 
Now, now we're going to look at another biblical prophecy. So, you know, this is a little bit of a teach this morning. It's found in Ezekiel 28. And it's given to the king of Tyre. But you can see that, again, he's addressing Satan. He's, he's addressing Lucifer. So it's a bit of a longer passage. So stay in with me. And uh, I really believe God's going to speak and move uh, through this message. Here we go. Verse 11, Ezekiel 28. It says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus, thus says the Lord God. You are the seal of perfection. Who's he addressing? He's addressing Lucifer. So it's made full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. Now, that wasn't the king of Tyre. That's how we know he's addressing the spirit. You're perfect in beauty. You were in Eden. So again, you know, again, there was only four people in Eden. There was God, Adam, Eve, and Satan. So, so we know who's he addressing. Okay, you are in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Uh, the sardaris, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the turquoise, the emerald, with gold. So it is covered in these precious stones. Listen to this. The workmanship of your timbers and pipes. What was prepared for you in the day that you were created. So, so, so there's, there's timbers and there's pipes. That, that, that's, that's part of Lucifer. So, so not only does he have stringed instruments, he has pipes, which are, are wind instruments, and he has cymbals, which are percussion. Percussion. So, so within, in, in Lucifer, you've got every musical instrument covered because they either fall into one of those categories, wind, percussion, or strings. And so, so you got that within there. And he, he says, and was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub or the anointed angel who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created. Till, everyone say Till. Up to this point, until iniquity was found in you, and by the abundance of your trading. Now, I want you to take note of that word trading right there, because we're going to come back to it a little bit later. Uh, but he, he said, by the abundance of that trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, out of heaven, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Uh, here, the, the, this, this passage is, is showing us what went on. Right. See, uh, what you've got to understand, when Adam and Eve were removed from the Garden of Eden, what God did was he put fiery angels gardening the garden so that they couldn't access the tree of life. Now, one thing you've got to understand about the tree of life, I'm just going on a little bit of tangent here, is the tree of life is, is accessible in heaven. In heaven, you can eat from it as much as you want. But the reason why God sent them out of the garden was because if they ate from the tree in their fallen nature, they would be in that state eternally. So God's judgment 
was actually His grace. What you've got to understand in your life, you know, God's judgment is actually grace. Because if, you, if they ate from the tree, they would be eternally separated from God. But, but God said, hey, I'm going to send a plan. And until you're in a place where you're redeemed, you can't actually access that tree. See, the good news is you're going to be able to eat from that tree as much as you want when you get to heaven. And, and God wants you to eat from it in a redeemed state, not a fallen state. Now, now, if we look at verse 13, it says, you know, again, cymbals, pipes. You know, what was, what was Lucifer? Uh, he was the worship leader in heaven. When God created Lucifer, he put instruments within him. And... And you've got to understand, in the Bible, there's, there's three angels that are mentioned, three archangels in the Bible. You know, and we know them by name. The, the three angels go by Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. The, the three archangels. Now, now, in the Bible, you see, whenever Gabriel shows up, he's responsible for proclaiming the Word of God. Whenever Michael shows up, he's, he's all about answering prayer. But Lucifer's job was to bring worship. Now, now, in a worship setting like this, you know, that's why in church we have three, those three components. We have worship, word, prayer. You know, there are three important functions of the church. You know, three important things. This is not just a social gathering. Welcome to church this morning. You know, we need to worship God. It's not just about the word. It's worship the word and prayer. How many know prayer changes things? Some of you are unconvinced right now. Prayer changes things. And so there's three components that many people overlook one or the other. And they dismiss one or they elevate the other. But there's three that are really important. And anytime you saw Gabriel, you saw him announcing the word of God. He did it to Mary. He did it to Zacchaeus. Whenever you saw Michael, he was answering prayer. You see it with Daniel. But, but Lucifer's problem was that he took the worship for himself. And we see this in verse 14. Listen to this. It says, By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence and you sinned. Now, now that word trading means merchandising. Uh, that's what it means. It's like this. Like if, if I, I want to sell you something, you know, I, I buy it off somebody else. And then I on-sell it to somebody else, but I clip the ticket. I, I take a cut on the way through. And this is what Lucifer was doing. People were worshiping, but he was taking a cut on the way through. He was clipping the ticket. That's what this word, merch- uh, merchandising or trading, means. See, see, see with worship, it's supposed to pass through your hands and it's supposed to get to the rightful owner. That, that's why you've got to understand when anything good happens in your life, if you don't turn that worship to praise, you're clipping the ticket. You're, you're trading on stuff. Now, you and I are not designed to handle glory. In fact, God says, I won't share my glory with another. So when anything good goes on in your life, 
and you don't bring worship and praise back to God, you're in danger of doing what Lucifer did. Clipping the ticket, trading. That's why worship is so vital. See, glory will destroy you. You're not designed to receive worship. Uh, Here it is. Satan is leading all of heaven in worship, but worship was supposed to pass through him. And and one day he says, says, hey, I'll take some of that worship. And that moment God said, you're out. At that moment, God said, you're gone. You're out of here. And Jesus describes it, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. In other words, it was that quick. You're gone. The moment you take worship that's meant to pass through you and you own it, you're gone. Something's happened in your heart. And he immediately left heaven because in the end, God is the only one who's worthy of worship. It's not like God's insecure about other people taking his worship. It's saying that God's the only one who can handle it. And what he did was he stole something that didn't belong to him. And the enemy's greatest desire, here's the enemy's greatest desire. His greatest desire is to be worshipped. So what is he up to today? Well, let's go to the New Testament. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And this is when Jesus was in the wilderness. And in Matthew chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, it says, Again, the devil took Jesus up on an exceedingly high mountain. Again, again, his desire to be high, lifted up, elevated. He took him on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of this world and their glory. And he said to them, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. <laughs> he tries this on Jesus. He's trying this right now on Jesus. If you just, yeah, I'll give you this. If you just fall down and worship me. He tries to get the Son of God to worship him. Uh, Listen to this. If you fall down and worship me. Again, he didn't want Jesus just to worship. He wanted him to fall down. He wanted him to express it. What you've got to understand, and I want you to get in this series, is that unexpressed worship is not worship. Uh, unexpressed love is not love. When something is happening on the inside of you, it will express itself ex- through, through your behavior. It, it will express itself from you. It's, it's like Kathy said, we went to a German football match. By the way, Equipers Churches is likely by the end of the year, we're going to have five churches in Germany. God's doing something there. I was just at a conference uh, called Starker. Starker, which actually means stronger. And uh, we're going from starker to starker. I don't know if that's grammatically correct, but anyway. We're going from strength to strength in Jesus' name. And, uh, you know, what God's doing, just rallying people. And uh, it's, it's just supernatural what's going on, not just in Germany, but in, in Italy as well. Again, we launched officially our church in Rome. Uh, and at the, the launch of the church in Rome, there was 222 people there with 18 people giving their hearts to Jesus. Come on, that's you having an impact. And... But every country you go into, it's like, oh, well, it's different here. I, I love our church in Germany because it's so un-German. 
Uh, like you go in there, you tell a, a German a joke, it's like their, their happy face is not their happy. It's like, ha, ha, ha. It's not that, but you know, they're, they're expressive. And, and I, you know, I looked at the German football stadium and I'm going, that's, that's true Germans. They are crazy. But you go to a lot of churches in Germany, when they, when they come into church, they put on a serious you know, demeanor. They get all serious and fold their arms at you and different things. And I'm going, why can't you express yourself in church? Why do you need to be in a football stadium to express yourself? Some of you should feel real free today. Because, you know, we do. We express ourselves over here. We express it here. But we come into church and we get all religious. You know, I, I want to speak to the men for a moment in this place. You see, the, the best thing you can do as a man for your children is let them see you worship. Is let them see God touch your life. That, that's the best thing you can do. In fact, a lot, a lot of children today sadly think that's for women because women are good at expressing themselves. Yeah, it's like mum worships, but dad doesn't. But how many know when you love somebody, you, you express it? And, and you know that because you can see the biggest, toughest guy, when, when they're wooing the woman they love, it's like they go to extreme lengths. Yeah. They go, oh, you know, even on the phone, oh, no, you hang up. <laughs> no, you hang up. You know, oh, I love you. You're amazing. Da, 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 da. And they'll say that, but they won't do it in front of other men. It's like, uh, 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 on the down low. It's like they will express it because they love the woman of their dreams. They're expressing it. Now, now when it comes to God, we've got to get better at expressing our love. Oh, do I get an amen on that? Come on. And, and with men, it's so important you know, that, that, that we find release in that. Because so, so often we're contained. But if we're to set a, a generation free... If we're to lead a generation into the presence of God, we're going to do it through worshiping God, through doing what we've been created to do. You know who doesn't want you to express your love? The devil. He, he wants you to express yourself in the club, as sports games. He wants your worship in all these other arenas, but he doesn't want it in the house of God. Uh, that, his greatest desire, come on, he, he used to be the worship leader of heaven. He knows how this works. is to stop everyone on the planet worshiping God. Uh, that's what he's up to. And that's what he's trying to do. Uh, you know, uh, if you go to the end of the book, how many are glad that we, we've got the end of the book? We know how it all finishes. And just to finish off this message, I'm going to go to the end of the book because I'm going to show you what happens and what the spirit of the age and how it's working and how the enemy has got this plan. Let, let's go to Revelation chapter 13. You're, you're with me this morning. I just need to know that. Three quarters of the crowd are with me. Are you with me this morning? Come on. Okay, cool. You can express it. I don't know it unless you express it. I don't know whether you're there. Okay. Revelation chapter 13 verse 4. It says, so they worship the dragon. The dragon, another name for the dragon is the devil. Again, that's how he's expressed. They worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worship the beast saying, who is like the beast? 
And who is able to make war with him? Now, now there's two phrases right there that jump out. They, they jump out. And, and you're not, if you know the book of Exodus, because in Exodus chapter 15, when God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, Miriam sang a song. And within that song, it was, who is like the Lord and who is able to make war with him? But here there is a twist. If we put that verse back up, it says, who is like the beast and who is able to make war with him? You know, it's like that song, just in case you don't know that song, some of us around Scott, it's like, through our God, we shall do it valiantly. It is he who will tread down our enemies and will sing and shout his victory. Christ is king. Yeah, it's, 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 it talks about the horse and the rider being thrown into the sea. And, and that through our God, we shall do valiantly. That's the song. It's a song of praise. It's a song of worship to God. And God is overthrowing the horse and the rider. And they'll be thrown into the sea. So, so, so God, here Satan has manipulated this and he's taken the song that was meant to worship God for, for the deliverance that he bought and he's manipulated to say, who is like the beast and who can make war with him? Uh, the, this is big. See, here's the problem. In the end times, people are going to be singing about Satan. Here's what's going to happen if we jump down to Revelation 13, and I want to give you scripture. L listen to this. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. They will make war with the lamb. Who's the lamb? That's Jesus. And, but here's the deal. But the, and the lamb will overcome them, for he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings. And those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. Come on, who's going to overcome him? The lamb. The lamb's going to overcome him. Now, one day, it's like, like this. This is what's going to happen. Jesus is sitting on his throne. And it's like Gabriel is going to say, hey, did, did you hear what they're singing? They're singing who is like the beast and who can make war, war with him. And God's going to go, what? What? Yeah, that's what, what they're singing. And then he's going to turn to Gabriel and say, hey, Gabriel, give me my sword. Give me my sword. Uh, uh, that's enough. And if we read in Revelation 19, this is you know, the vision John saw. He said, I saw, this is what's going to happen. Heaven opened and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one, except, that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dripped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. And the armies, get this, and the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. And now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule with a, iron, a, a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress wine with the fiercest and the wrath of Almighty God. 
and he has on his robe and on his thigh the name written, King of Kings. Come on, what's his name? He's the King of Kings and the who is able to make war with him? Come on, who is able to make war with him? Who can compare to God? Uh, remember, if we go back, what was Satan? Satan was covered with precious stone. Uh, you know what precious stones do, good ones do. Anyway, what do they do? They reflect light. Well, why was Lucifer covered with every precious stone? It was so he could reflect the light of God to heaven. That, that was his role. But here's what's so amazing. In Revelation chapter 21, it talks about the bride. And as we know, the bride of Christ is the... Come on, what is the church you see? Because the, the church God's designed is that we be covered with every precious stone. In Revelation chapter 21... That, that, that's the description of the bride. The bride was covered with every precious stone. And that, that those precious stones are there so that we can reflect the light of God to the world around us. You know, you got to hear me. Lucifer, again, he was created with instruments. Do you know you and I in our bodies are created with instruments? You know, on the inside, we have vocal cords, the strings. We have a stringed instrument within us, but they don't function unless wind passes through them. So we have wind within us. We have percussion, even though it may be out of time. <laughs> you know, we have percussion. And so our whole body is there. You know, God's designed it to give worship to Jesus. Uh, some of you are not getting this. See, I, I wonder if a conversation like this happened when, when God cast Lucifer out of heaven. Uh, again, he looked down on the earth, there was void. And he comes, he speaks into it, he brings order, he brings form. But on the sixth day as he's walking around, you know, it's like Lucifer, he's there down because he's been cast down. And he says, well, he may have said to God, well, who's going to give you praise now? Who's going to give you glory now? Who's your new worship leader? Who's going to do it? And at that moment, it's like God grabbed down into the dirt, squeezed it, blew into it, and said, there's my new worship leader. Do you know you and I are created to the, fulfill the function that Satan didn't? That's why he's after you. And God says, you know that dirt that I blew into? That dirt, Lucifer, it's going to crush your head. It's going to crush your head. But we have a problem. See, when, when, when God breathed into the dirt and became a living soul, what, what it... What did it start doing? Well, we know by the fall, it started listening to Lucifer. It started acting like him. So, so what God had to do is he had to come as dirt to redeem the living souls that he created. And so what's Satan doing right now? 
he, he's doing everything he can to stop you worshiping God. He's doing everything in his power to, to get you to hold back your praise. He's doing everything so, to get you centered on self. You, to lift yourself up, to elevate yourself. Right, to focus on your problems, to focus on what's going around you. But if we could just focus on Jesus and we could bring worship to Jesus, if we could elevate and we could magnify Him, come on, that's a good place for a clap right now. Come on, and if we're going to give Him a clap, let's give Him a big clap of praise. Because when we worship, we're crushing the devil's head. When we worship, we release supernatural breakthrough. Some of you right now, you're needing a breakthrough. And I want to declare your worship will bring about your breakthrough. It's how God's worked it. And we're here as a church to not lift up a person, to not lift up a name of a church. We're here to elevate Jesus. The church I see, the church God sees, isn't a body of people that just gathers together on a Sunday. Isn't it a group of people that comes in and says, how can you meet my need? No, the church we see are a group of people who understand how God's created them and what He's called them to do. Who got a revelation of, I need to bring my praise, I need to bring my worship back to the one who's worthy of it. Every good thing in my life right now is because of Him. You know, I'm not silly enough, stupid enough to take the glory for myself. I need to give it back. And when you join with others and you worship Jesus, these things God does that he doesn't do in other environments. But He does when the people of God gather together. Because after all, Lucifer, what he was he? He was the worship leader of heaven. And what we need to be as a church is the worship leader of the world. No, not just the worship leader. Some of us sometimes are hard to get motivated in worship. But when you're a mature believer... You understand this whole principle. You don't need to be motivated. You don't need to say, oh, well, they're asking me to do jump. Well, you jump in other spaces. Why can't you jump in the house of God? Come on, you, you don't need to be motivated. You understand who you're doing it for, and you understand why it's important. And again, unexpressed worship is not worship at all. And some of us need to get liberated. See, I really believe God wants to take us to a new level. And I believe our worship is going to get us there. Our worship, when we come back to the foundation of what faith in Jesus is all about, it's about God restoring His original intention for our life. You're born and you're created to worship Him. There's no other place that's more satisfying than, than being in His presence. Being lost in His presence. Say, God, You're worthy. You're worthy of everything that I have. 
I don't deserve the life I've been given. I don't deserve. But God, by your grace, I stand and I give you honor and I give you praise and I magnify you. And when you get into that place, it's there you experience a freedom. It's there you experience a joy. Some of us, we walk around heavy all the time. But worship lifts the weights off your shoulders. Worship brings the answers you need. See, it's by focusing on the answer, trying to solve it yourself. You don't find the answer, but when you look to Jesus, as we heard this morning, I sought the Lord. He heard me and He delivered me from all my fears. You know, the psalmist goes on, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, I want to say in this place, I don't know what you've tasted, I don't know what you've seen, but if it's not good, it's not God. Because when you've tasted Him, when you've been in His presence, He's good. Come on, He's a good God this morning. He's good. He's good. And He's worthy of all of our praise. I'm done. Tonight, I'm, I'm going to speak about God's desire. So we unpacked what the enemy's desire is. There's a part two to this. And I believe this is an important message because some of us still look at these gatherings and even the music and we, we view it as an institution rather than part of God's plan. And God's called us together that we may reflect Him, that we may honor Him, that we may exalt Him. And so we're going to unpack that tonight. But what I want to do to close this service is I want everybody to stand to your feet. And if you would, I'd ask you just to lift your hands. Physical action is, is important because it unlocks something spiritually. You do something physical by faith. And it's by faith. It's like, that's what it does. But right now, what I want you to ask the question is, God, what are you saying to me? Where is my worship hindered? Where am I not expressing my love? Because love unexpressed is not love. Many people today say, I love God, but it's, it's just verbal. It's, it's, it's nothing more than that. But when your heart's connected, it corresponds with action. It corresponds with emotion. It corresponds. It, it flows. And, and just with your hands lifted, as you feel the Holy Spirit, I want you to lift, begin to lift up worship in this place. I want you to begin to honor Him. I want you to begin to exalt the name that's worthy of the highest praise. Come on, don't hold it back. Let it go. Young and old, men and women.
with your eyes closed. Let's sing this. God right now for the release of miracles in this place. Thank you for breakthrough. We ask you to teach us, help us to give you the worship that you're worthy of. We don't want to hold back our praise. We don't want to hold back anything you're deserving of. 
We give you all the praise. All the praise. All the praise. All the praise. Come on, we give you all the praise. All the glory. All the glory. Come on, we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. Give you all the honor. You're worthy, God. We give it all to you. We give it all to you, God. You're deserving of it. things have just been unkept and together we're going to go to new realms and worship but this week you know how about starting your day with with worship with the word and with prayer come on three go worship the word prayer I love you Jesus well don't make other things your priority worship word prayer